All right, everybody. So summer's coming and Roll Massif's collection of eight road, gravel and mountain bike sportives in Colorado take riders on a journey through the most stunning landscapes in the U.S. Iconic courses wind through alpine terrain at the Copper Triangle Sportive and desert landscapes through the Colorado National Monument during the Tour of the Moon. And to help get kids out on their bikes, anyone under 18 rides for free at the road and gravel events. You can check them out at rollmassif.com. That's R-O-L-L-M-A-S-S-I-F.com. And listeners of the Velo News Tech Podcast get 15% off any sportive using the code TECH15 at checkout. This expires May 1st. Hello, everybody. This is Dan Cavallari, tech editor at Velo News, and I'm coming at you with another Velo News Tech Podcast. And I am joined today by Ben Delaney and Betsy Welch. Guys, nice to virtually see you. Good morning, everybody. Hey, guys. So today uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the situational awareness for a race. And essentially, it's a rundown of the kinds of gear you need uh, to prepare for your next gravel race, road race, whatever it happens to be. Uh, in this case, uh, Ben and Betsy both attended the Mid-South Gravel Race. The Mud South. The Mud South. Um, and before we dive into the gear aspect of this, um, Ben, uh, there was some controversy about our attendance at the Mid-South. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that and sort of give our, our listeners a sense of why we chose to go? Sure, absolutely. I mean, we were planning to be at the Mid-South, like many thousands of people, before the coronavirus uh, went haywire. Uh, we left Wednesday, uh, a few days before the race. And one thing that's continued to astound me, perhaps like so many other folks, is how quickly our world has changed. Yeah. You know, a week later, where we are today, so vastly different. We're all uh, holed up in our homes, working from home. Uh, California is under lockdown. Um, that's so different than it was a week ago. Yeah. And being in Oklahoma, uh, just over the course of 40 hours, things changed so fast. Yeah. Um, so uh, some people who were planning on flying in decided not to fly. We were there. We made this decision to, to stay and to race and certainly changed our behavior of, you know, not hanging out and hugging and hand slapping <laughs> and all these things. You know, we, uh, you know, at the time it was, you know, groups of, you know, avoid huge groups. So, we, we did our best to do that, stay away from people. We were traveling with hand sanitizers and whatnot. And, um, but yeah, ultimately decided to, to stay and do the race. Uh, went to the start, got in the start and shoot, and uh, went and did what became a, a 7 to 10 to 12 hour race out in the, in the mud where you know, I was making the joke at the time, but I certainly feel it was true that once the event started, we were scattered out all over the countryside. But uh, yeah, certainly generated controversy and, and understandably so. But so I just wanted to address that before we dig into talking about the stuff. And, and fundamentally, I think that's where we are is that, uh, at least for myself, I'm just a bike guy. I'm in no position to give people medical advice right. one way or right. the other. I certainly can extend sympathy to anyone who's been affected for sure. But mm -hmm. uh, the, the purpose of this podcast is to be a Velenu's tech podcast, talk about bike stuff. And yep. Uh, so. That's why we're doing this show today. For sure. Um, and so, you know, everybody out there, let's let's just try to stay safe and cut each other a little slack. We're all trying to make the best decisions we can make with the information we have. Um, on that note, let's talk about gear and fun stuff. Heck yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so first of all, uh, Mid South was was quite a quite a show, wasn't it? It was it was pretty muddy. Uh, you guys, let's start, Betsy. Let's start with you. 
Um, before we dive into gear, tell me a little bit about your race experience. I mean, what was that, what was that mud course like for you? What was the whole day like? I, I spent a lot of the day in a pretty dark place. Um, <laughs> in many, on many levels. We're supposed to be talking right? about fun parts. Sorry. Of this well, I mean, pandemics notwithstanding, it was awful out there to yeah. be honest. And the race is known for the potential for those conditions. Um, I did it last year and it was a beautiful day on dry, fast roads. Um, and even as the forecast got considerably worse, the closer we got to Oklahoma, you still can't really imagine it until you're in it. Um, it was raining at the start. It was cold at the start, which for me was worse than the rain. Um, you know, to start a bike race shivering is pretty awful. It was a half hour lightning delays, a storm. Yep. So we're huddled under, you know, scattered under awnings, um, in downtown Stillwater, just huddling. Um, and I guess I had thought that at like, not all the roads would turn to, to muck that maybe, you know, the, the content of some dirt would, would stay okay. And others wouldn't, but literally the minute we hit dirt from the pavement, I mean, that was it. You were, you were like sinking in mm, the peanut butter. Gross. Yeah. And, and it was just kind of a icky day and <laughs> a lot of time alone, you know, Ben can talk about sticking in a group cause he did that, but I felt like I was alone out there, um, a lot more than other gravel races. Um, so that was tough too. How, how long were you out on the course? Dan. <laughs> <laughs> the blink of an eye. Uh, yeah. Um, nine hours. Oof. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In fact, it's funny because based on my time last year, I had sort of set like a, a little goal for myself. And, and my goal time was the winner's time was Payson's time. So yeah, that shows you sort of what it was like. Yeah. It's definitely a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde uh, type situation. And I've done the race also once before in a dry year Mm -hmm. and went to that race equipped with the strangest assortment of bicycle (laughs) products I've ever taken to a race in 20 plus years. For instance, I took a Surly Singulator, which uh, lets you, well, it it lets you take, uh, if and when you happen to tear your drivetrain clean off your bicycle, you can turn a gear, what was a geared bicycle into a single speed. Yeah. Um, So I had that and the tools to, you know, chain breaker, rebuild the chain around that. Mm Mm-hmm strange thing to take, but that was based on the stories of friends who had done the race prior and done exactly that. Drailers off. Um, this year I went in thinking if that happens, I'm out. I'll be glad. (laughs) I'll be glad to take a ride from one of the, your white uh, flag got bigger this year. (laughs) Oh yes. Uh, uh, one of the many, the neutral support there is done by the four by four Jeep club. Mm because when the roads turn to muck, it's not just bicycles and feet that have a hard time making forward progress. Normal cars get stuck too. So, uh, which should be a fair warning to anybody with a brain in their heads. That seems ominous. Not me. (laughs) So yeah, tire choice is uh, always a topic of any gravel race, Mm -hmm. but this one in particular. Um, For my part, well, yeah, so Betsy and I were in this, uh, we were in the Villainer's Warehouse the week before having that chat. What are you going to run? I don't know. What are you going to run? I asked Ken Avery at Victoria Tires. Hey, Ken, what's the, what's the hot ticket? And Ken's been making tires, designing tires for 20 plus years. Knows his stuff. Yeah. I know this about Ken. 
I also know that Ken is the type of person who will mess with you just for giggles. <laughs> so b- both of these statements are true. And I was, but, <clears throat> so he told me the Victoria Drive 35s. Mm. I said, well, Ken, but what if it rains, man? What about, the, shall you use the mud? No, it's all about tire clearance. And it doesn't matter mm. when your, what was your tire has now become like a six inch diameter yeah. hunk of peanut butter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what the particular file tread pattern underneath right. that muck was. Right. It's just about keeping the thing rolling. So. Yeah. Um, was he right in that regard? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. you know, my tires were 35s and the, the dries have a little fish scale like profile Yeah, and with the tiniest little hint of shoulder knobs, Betsy had, uh, even slicker tire basically. Yeah. what did you run? Yeah. I went with the Hutchinson overrides. Yeah. Um, because I mean, to be totally honest, at one point the forecast was awesome. Right, Ben? It was like 70 and sun. Yeah, and Ken Avery was messing with you again. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have any expert uh, consultation actually <laughs> choosing my tires, um, but I, I'm quite happy with the outcome because anyway, yeah, those overrides are, I mean, they're not quite a center slick, but um, close to it with, with a really low profiled side knob. Um, and they're 38, they were 38s. Um, so even when the forecast started to get crappy, I, I was kind of like, well, you know, I don't want like a huge knobby tire that, that mud will just fill in the knobs and then turn into a slick. Why don't I just start with what, what it's going to become anyway? Um, and they were great. I didn't sl- slide out or, or anything. And in this sense, uh, you know, because it was so soupy, uh, you know, it's, it's almost becoming a trope in, in gravel racing that, you know, before any race, we've got to talk endlessly about tire pressure. Um, in this situation, I mean, did, did tire pressure even matter? I mean, what did you guys run? Did, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like a cyclocross thing yeah. where you sniff your tubular and you're like, oh, <laughs> should, I, should I add an eighth of a PSI to right. this? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. As long as there was some air in yeah, there. Right, right. I mean, the bikes were weighing an extra, you know, 10 pounds yeah. most of the day. You can't see because your, your, your glasses are covered in muck. And, right. Yeah, this sounds an awful lot like my last gravel race. Yeah, and yeah. one thing I love about gravel races is, is the huge variety of gear and people and clothing you yeah. see. Yeah. And for the most part, we're all just trucking along together. Yeah. You know, you can obsess in your garage before you go like, yeah, this is going to make the difference right. by right. going with these carbon wheels. Now I'm going to change from a <laughs> mediocre person to a fantastic person right. because of this one, this handlebar tape, yeah, this yeah. is going to do it for yeah. me. And you get out there and homeboy on the single speed with a full size cowboy hat yeah. duct tape to his helmet is powering away from you. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> seemingly unimpressed with your said carbon wheels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, the gear choices you guys did make. Let's let's start there. Let's give everybody a sense of before it all got covered in ten pounds of muck and mud. Uh, Betsy, what what bike were you on? I was on a Y Cycles R Plus, which is um, Y Cycles, essentially their gravel bike. Although it's it's really sort of their road slash gravel slash. Um, I guess, adventure, like mm-hmm. multi-surface as, yeah. as the term is often bandied about. Um, yeah. Ben, what were you on? It's also Warbird with uh, Shimano GRX DI2. Okay. And let's, let's talk just briefly about pros and cons of your ride. So, so as you as you experience them during the race, I know it's hard to, to really tell the quality and, and, and wonder of a bike when it's covered in <laughs> 10 pounds of mud, but just sort of give us a, a general sense of, um, what you liked about the bikes you were riding, uh, what, what ended up being well-suited for the course, uh, and, and any, any features that kind of stood out on those bikes? 
Betsy did just gave a terrified look because I did not prep her on this question <laughs> at all. So and <laughs> unlike these guys, I am not a gear editor, but I, I mean, I can talk about why I chose why I chose the why. Um, this is a titanium bike, and I had never ridden a titanium bike, so um, I. I'd been given some counsel that tie is a really great material for gravel riding in particular. Um, and luckily before the Mid-South, I'd gotten out on a few rides around here, um, sort of mixed surface rides. And it was, it was super smooth, super um, compliant on the washboardy dirt around Boulder. Um, so I got a great feel for it. And then, you know, no no real complaints in the mud either. It, it just... It, it handles well, it feels nice. My my only cons really have to do with the fit, which isn't the bike's fault. Um, it had great great clearance. I think it has enough clearance for like a 46 um, tire. And so I had plenty of room there. Um, it, let's see, what else? Yeah, in terms of the, the bike itself, it was great. The handlebars were incredibly wide for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had a 42 and you and had, I had a 44. 44. Yeah. I should have reversed that. I'm a yeah. little smaller than Ben, just a little. Just, just slightly. <laughs> <laughs> but on some of those super squirrely, muddy descents, it, it actually was kind of awesome to ride those flared drops. Um, and we can talk about other gears, but I put some other bits and pieces on there that made it yeah, we'll um, get to that in a moment, yeah. awesome as well. Ben, what about the salsa? Tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Uh, so this is the the OG gravel bike, you know, mm -hmm. going back to 2012, which in gravel is yeah the the beginning. All the photos are yeah. in black and white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know a few for me, a few things make a great gravel bike. Uh, geometry that's appropriate. I think having a slightly slacker geo than a road bike helps, although I don't think we need to go full Shami Hagar on things. Uh, but just something to make, uh, you're, it's not, you're not racing criteria. Right. We, we're taking turns on the, you know, on the mud south, but for the most part, you're just trying to keep the thing pointed in a straight line and having geometry that keeps you uh, that way, when, despite hitting things you can't see in puddles and uh, what not that's that's a good thing uh, Two, having a bit of flex mm. is a positive thing um, what feels weird riding on the pavement doing the doing like the little parking lot check yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, poorly represents how well these bikes can handle in their uh, intended environment so again like riding you know, the start of the race it's chaos you can't see you're just blindly following and you're hitting whatever happens to show up under your wheels right uh, so having a seat post that moves is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, different brands are handling this different ways. You know, some are going as, you know, like the Specialized Diverge is something that I rode last year and that's got a huge amount of flex and the last number in there. And there's different ways to do it, but a little bit of flex is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, clearance clearly is a, is a big thing uh, at all times. For if you want to run a fat tire uh, for really rocky situations or like at the mud south, you just want to keep your wheels turning. Mm -hmm. uh, different tricks to, to get that done and not have a semi-truck length wheelbase. Right. Uh, the Warbird has the dropped drive train side mm -hmm. stay mm -hmm. to accomplish that. Yep. Um, and then crazy bowed out seat stays. Mm -hmm. um, another thing is mounts and the right amount of mounts I, I, it's like what are you trying to do right um i i'm not a bike packer 
I like the idea of going outside and recreating and then coming back and taking a shower because I'm <laughs> soft. Yes. Um, but I understand that people are into that thing. So if, and so the war, war bird has mounts all down the fork leg. Mm-hmm. I don't ever see myself putting things sure. there. Um, but even in the course of a hundred mile race in which there is a single checkpoint at the midway where you can refill on a muddy day like it was last week, you're out there for a while. 50 miles took for bloody ever. Yeah, yeah. So, and even when it was dry, like the first year I did it, um, stopping wasn't the best option if you were trying to race. Compete, yeah. Yeah. um, But you did use the bottle cage on the the bottom of the down tube. I did, yeah. So on the Warbird, you can have, on the 56 and larger sizes, you can have three mounts Mm -hmm. inside the triangle and then a fourth mount on the under the down tube which on a muddy muddy day is a hot mess yeah um use camelback podium bottles that have these little mud cap yeah yeah tops um Mm -hmm. which were very handy yeah um accessing that fourth bottle under the down tube while riding that's pretty hard when it's mucky and you can't really get purchase on the bottle that was yeah so I i would grab that a few times um but it was only when I was in a small group and would be kind of mm-hmm. drift off the back of the small group. So if and when I crashed myself, it would just be me going down. Not yeah, taking it. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's handy to have, but in a race situation, it's not ideal. And yeah. it seems like uh, a camelback chase vest, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. a number of people have used, used that uh, this year would be an would easy be way great. to keep it going. It's keep, too bad keep, I have one in my garage. You could have borrowed. I, I took one with me. I <laughs> yeah. took one with me. You know, I just opted to go. And, yeah. and the first year that I did it, um, I ran with two large bottles mm-hmm. and a vest because my buddy Nick Legan said, yeah, if you want to stay with the front group, yeah. they're not stopping. Right. It turns out, right. yeah, the Panoracer guys went through. Everybody took a feed. Like their going. friends had a musette and right. just kept going. Yes. So. They were not recreating in, in hopes of getting to the shower very quickly. They just wanted to win. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's so many different ways to do it. Yeah. But, um, having the option to yep. carry more stuff mm-hmm. is a good thing yeah. on a gravel bike. And if you choose not to use it, fine. So yep. if, and additionally, the Warbird also has uh, two mounts on the top tube triathlon bento box style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I find to be pretty useful, actually, those little bento boxes, especially for long days on the bike. And just uh, Actually, Rebecca Rush said it when we were down in Tucson recently, and she said... Uh, you know, if you if you have easy access to your food, you're just you're more likely you're to more eat. likely to eat for sure, um, for sure. Rather than having to reach behind your back and try to dig it out of your pocket, where you're like, ah, screw it, I'll just. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And so f- the the mud played havoc on a number of things, and zippers was one of them. Yeah, yeah. So my I was stuck in my jacket for the first half, mm. um, and so yeah, couldn't have couldn't have got to food in the pockets if you wanted to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which you probably um, did by that point. Know, I, uh, I had a. Um, a frame bag underneath the top tube and was able to get in stuff, get to stuff that way mm-hmm. easily. But that, even that zipper jammed up. So that was just stuck open. Yeah, yeah. I don't like the top tube bag because it hits my knees when I yeah, stand up. That but, is an issue. Yeah. But Betsy, you ran a, a top tube bag that you liked. Yeah, no, it was great. It was the uh, Shimano Pro. Pro, yeah, there's a Discover. The, this, yeah, yeah, the Discover Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a great zipper pull anyway, mm-hmm. um, but it worked. I think the zipper is sort of like weather protected as well. Mm-hmm. But I had the same zipper issue with my raincoat too. Um, I was wearing it until I had to stop and take a nature break. And then when I went to zip it back up, it, was, it, it wasn't having it. Mm. Seems like big teeth yeah. are your friend in the mud. So I've had, I took that, uh, we did the keeper episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, took the 
Gore-Tex Shake Dry, mm-hmm. which was awesome. And if you're going to be stuck in any jacket, that's the one that's to be stuck, stuck in. in. For sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, I could not get the thing off me. For <laughs> like, so it, after the checkpoint, I had a little temper tantrum and just tore the thing off. <laughs> <laughs> but to be honest, it was so temp- cold. I mean, I didn't, I wanted my jacket on the whole day. Right. Yeah. right. But yeah, ironically, just like your, you know, your $20 Velcro rain cape would have been... Uh, just as a more useful yeah. solution. Yeah. The, obviously the technology and the, the material is totally different, but just mm-hmm. being able to open and shut the thing, yeah. whether on a frame bag or jacket. Sure. I think uh, a key feature of the, the salsa that you didn't mention is that it's bright pink. So when you fall off your bike and you need to search for it in a foot of mud, it's, it stands out. <laughs> yes. Very handy. Very handy. <laughs> um, Betsy, let's, let's jump over to you and, and talk a little bit about, um, some of the gear you did use that, uh, that you found it impressive and, and were glad to have. Um, I, you know, before we, before we left for this trip, uh, or you left for this trip, I didn't go. Um, before you left, you know, we had kind of talked about, let's, let's put some stuff through the ringer. Um, and so you had a good collection of gear uh, that you brought with you. What were some of the standout items that you were very, very glad to have that you'll probably consider using again? I had a great saddle. I got uh, the specialized um, power mimic, or mimic power, not sure which order. Um, And that was great. I'd already anticipated that it would be great because so many people love the power. um, And this one has some women specific technology built into it. Um, So that was great. And saddles are a big thing in gravel too because you're planted in them for a long time. Yeah. Um, and you know, at mid South, there were like all sorts of odd body positions that we needed to get in and out of because, <laughs> you know, trying to pedal through a lot of this mud, which you could, you, you kind of had to get back. And, um, you know, there were times when you could get up out of the saddle. So anyway, I really, I really like that saddle and that, that will certainly become a daily driver for me. Let's see what else. Um, I got some shoes that you actually reviewed, Dan. I got the Shimano RX-8 mm-hmm. shoes um, in the cool women-specific, like, blue camo-y color. Jealous. <laughs> and um, to be totally honest, I brought two pairs of shoes with me to Stillwater, and um, those had actually never been on my feet before this race. Which is bold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, kind of my MO. You are brave. But... I also have um, a, a condition in a foot called a Morton neuroma, which long story short, it can just be really painful in too narrow of shoes and cycling shoes are notoriously narrow. These don't look particularly wide and these weren't the wide version, but I had no foot pain, which is huge over nine hours. The other thing I noticed, and, and I don't know if this is the shoes or, or just my mad skills, but <laughs> some people had, you know, I would say a couple pounds of mud on each foot, mm-hmm. um, especially the people who chose to wear like toe warmers or feet warmers. Those just became mud collectors. Mm-hmm. But, but for some reason, I didn't get a lot of mud sticking to my shoes. I don't know if that was, you know, the construction of the shoe or what, but I was super happy with those shoes. They have um, a snug fit, but like not a suffocating fit. Uh, one boa, one Velcro strap. Um, so simplicity seems to be key here. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no shoe fails at all, mm-hmm. which was great. Good. Um, ben, how about you? What uh, what were some of the the the, sh- the standouts, the shining uh, pieces of gear? Well, not shining because they were covered in mud, but you know the good ones. <laughs> well, sure. 
two standout pieces that I saw. I don't know how well they worked. I'm very curious to follow up. A couple of Panama Racer guys were running road pedals hmm. on a muddy, muddy, mucky day. Yeah. Uh, Bob Cummins and Scott Moninger. Bold move. Very bold. Yeah. And Bob's sake was like, oh, yeah, this, they just clear mud much easier. Yeah. Whereas like an SPD will pack up. Huh. But what about walking? I mean, that, yeah, I guess that it was one matter. of my many questions yeah. that I had. But yeah, the walking in soup. I guess it doesn't matter, it, right? It could have been barefoot or in some. Yeah. I just thought that was a very curious move. You know, some people had whiskey flasks on their down tubes. Yeah, right. Some people had road pedals on. It's just everything out yeah. there. But I wonder if that was a conscious decision or if they just ride road pedals on gravel normally. No, Bob was insistent that that was the that was the choice. Choice. Okay. Intentional choice. Wow, the pros are just on a different level, aren't they? Mm. <laughs> My intentional choice was just the good old Shimano XD. Yeah. And yeah, you've got to kick it a couple times when you're when your feet are right. caked in mud, but mm-hmm. I had no issues there. Uh, use Shimano, uh, specialized S-Works shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike Betsy, I went for shoe covers because I don't like being cold. So you I had, like cold I had uh, pearl amphib things that held up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe halfway through, they, st- they started to come off the toe a bit and then oh. they became mud carriers instead yeah. of mud deflectors. But yeah. I also started with some Castelli man pre's, these, <laughs> these rain, three quarter rain pants. Um, Please say that again. That's just so. Castelli man pre's. Yeah, that, I believe they've trademarked this. Term. I was jealous. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff works, man. Yeah. You know, it's just gore membrane similar to the jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, I peeled those off at the halfway point. And with no zipper to jam, you right. know, just elastic, you know, simple solutions work <laughs> in the muck. Pull them off basketball player style. Just totally. Like, uh, Gore-Tex shake dry jacket. The fabric is exceptional. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the fine tooth zipper that works well in the rain. Mm. Not so not much, so much in, in the mud. muck. Yeah, yeah. So that was a, that was a bummer. Yeah. Um, so I guess that brings us to the, the flip side of the equation. Now, um, a couple of years ago, I did a bike packing trip overnight one night. Yep. Uh, and I brought everything, all the things, all of the things. And I used none of the things. <laughs> yep. Um, so what were some of the pieces of gear that you brought that you thought you were going to use, maybe didn't end up using, or, um, probably you didn't need, or, you know, otherwise didn't perform the way you wanted it to jump in either one of you. Well, I brought that damn paint stirrer that they, that they give you at check-in. Um, and I didn't have to use it paint stirrer what was the paint stirrer for so when you go to mid-south and you go pick up your swag bag and your your number plate there is like a you know just like a lowe's or home depot paint stirrer in your bag and that is because you will likely have to scrape a bunch of mud and gunk off your bike which Mm. and and people totally do i mean there were plenty of people pulled over on the side Mm. doing that but uh i didn't know shovel yeah (laughs) Just floated right over the top. Yeah. Plenty of clearance <laughs> on my bike. So. Yeah, I mean, that was one, one benefit of it raining so much is that it kept the mud slicker. Yeah. And then it wasn't until later in the day when it was not drying out, but it wasn't just the, sopping. It was starting to cake it up. It started to cake up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so people would, you know, you saw countless people, you know, by the side of the road using the paint stir stick or stopping in puddles to dunk their bikes in the puddle trying to yeah clear it out yeah i think i saw a photo of pete stetna doing that yeah i mean the the mud determined the front of the race for sure yeah yeah, he wrapped his rear derailleur around his cassette yeah Yeah, and and when we say peanut butter we really mean peanut butter i mean it is that exact consistency and it just gets in everything 
and it is so hard to scrape it all off. Yeah, just a high clay content. It makes yeah. for beautiful photos, you yeah, know, it's yeah. like a deep burnt orange. Right. Yeah, good suffer sufferfest photos, yeah. Great photos. Um, okay, so we already talked about tires and tire pressure, so I'm, I'm glad we don't have to discuss that too much because, quite frankly, it doesn't sound like it mattered all that much. Well, Payson was on slicks as well. I mean, was he? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, and uh, Colin Strickland had an interesting setup of uh, slick in the front mm-hmm. and then a toothy mud tire in the back. Mm-hmm. So it seems like the, the only downside to having a slick in the rear is that in a few instances when you want to like stand up over the top of mm-hmm. a kicker, yeah. that's not an option. Right. But right. if you just sit down and keep your weight yeah. back, like as Betsy mentioned, it was a great, great saddle test because yeah. you're just seated. Right the majority of the time. So I guess my last question for both of you is, you know, you were on course for most of the, Ben, I don't think I asked you what, what your, <laughs> your finishing time was, by the way. Aw. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Betsy. I think it was like seven hours, 20 okay. minutes, something like this. I was, right. I was hoping for a top 10. Last time I went, I was 11th. Yeah. What'd you get this time? 12th. Man, I'm uh, blaming Pete. Pete ruined gravel. Backsliding. He did mm-hmm. ruin gravel. Going the wrong true. direction. I've heard that about him. Um, I guess my, my final question for you guys is, you know, after spending all that time on the course, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, gravel bikes have changed immensely and we're seeing all sorts of new technologies come out and new sorts of gravel bikes. And as the gravel category attempts to sort of define itself, uh, just in terms of gear, really, um, you know, what did you see as far as trends that sort of point to what, uh, people are starting to, to funnel into. Did you, for example, did you see full suspension gravel bikes? Did you see front suspension? Did you see dropper posts, any of that kind of stuff? Or, or were people more sticking to, to the more traditional, um, you know, bike shape with just more tire clearance? I think some of it depends on what experience people are after, you know, um, and which, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that's part of what I love about going to these events is just seeing the diversity and we're all welcome to do whatever we like there. You know, it's not like going to a parking lot crit where it's the same group of folks all having a very similar type of stuff looking for a similar outcome. Um, yeah, so there's the single speeds with the whiskey flask and then there's uh, full-on race machines. So mm-hmm. um, so I think there's, there's trends you can see, but within the different categories of like the let's just have fun party bike. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the, Hey, let's try to win this thing. Yeah, sure. Sure. But I think the, the salsa warbird is a good example of something that can kind of accommodate all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's as racy as anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to have six water bottles on your bike and fill a couple of them with beer, mm. now you're talking my language about it. Yeah. <laughs> Talking my language. Uh, you know, gearing's an interesting thing with the you know, one by versus two by. Yeah, yeah. Betsy had a one by. She was happy with that. And I had a two by. I was happy with that, especially on rollers, just to, you know, hit one lever to go from little gear to big gear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's nice. Um, Ashton Lambie had a one by, you know, the 1050 mm. Eagle cassette. Yeah. With, which is not too unusual now. What was unusual was Homeboy was running a 50 two tooth front ring holy cow yeah so it turns out when you have the legs that can set individual pursuit world records yeah, multiple yeah. times you can push a gear like that <laughs> um, just like me yeah, yeah just like you <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're convinced uh, Betsy was there anything out there that you noticed uh, consistently that people were using or not using in terms of gear I just think it's amazing how these, this 
gravel bike um, sector has just like kind of exploded that, you know, almost almost everyone has a gravel bike now. I mean, it's not to say that you still don't see people on, you know, modified mountain bikes or I, (laughs) the people that I was riding near, I I saw a fair bit of um, rim brakes out there too. So it's not to say that you can't ride modified bikes, um, ride a road bike, ride a mountain bike on this stuff, but but overwhelmingly people have gravel bikes and they're all really good. Like Mm -hmm. they're all very competitive. They're all um, in terms of, you know, just, I guess what I'm saying is like how quickly the industry responded to the desire to do this kind of riding with sort of this standard of bike. Um, I I noticed a lot, I guess, (laughs) riding behind people is how much clearance these bikes all seem to have for a wider tire. So Mm -hmm. is that a trend that people want to be able to put you know, fatter tires on to do a little bit more adventure style riding. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it seems like the bikes are all able to do that if sure. you want it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And then too, just, I mean, like Ben kind of alluded to, there's a lot of room to have fun with um, accessories. So, you know, from your frame bags to your top tube bags to, you know, just little bits of bike bling. I think we saw these bottle cages that were like, you know, those wings. Those uh, angel wings. Yeah, the Portland Design Works cages. Th- those were swallow. cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I rode with a, a guy from Cleveland who started just sewing his own frame bags. And, you know, now he, he's a small, small scale frame bag builder. Cool. Uh, so that, that, that stuff's always really fun to see. Ben got some good shots of the individuality that we see at these events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of us grumpy gray hair folks like to talk about, oh, wow, gravel racing. We were doing gravel racing years ago on our road bikes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like here in Boulder's Boulder Bay, which is a similar course. And, right. and yes, we did it on road bikes with rim brakes, but in conditions like it, we saw at Mud South a week ago, road bikes would not go. Right, like right. That, you know, the, yeah, the, the capabilities of gravel bikes, it, it is a legitimate thing. Um, yeah, and, and now, yeah, it's just been a few years, but it is impressive how quickly that has become standard. Well, Ben and Betsy, thank you for joining me today. It was a pleasure to talk about some gravel racing, and uh, the soupy conditions of Mid-South was a great way to start off the season, and I'm glad you guys got to experience it while I sat on my couch sipping beer. Uh, and if you guys listening have any questions about this podcast or any of the podcasts in the Velo News atmosphere, please do feel free to tweet at me, at Brown Tie Dan. That is also my Instagram handle. And if you have suggestions for future topics on the Velo News Tech Podcast, I would absolutely love to hear them. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, Thank you all for listening and we will see you next time.